I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, S.E. Fleenor, and the first comic I ever read was Palomar. I'm Sarah Century. The first comic I ever read was all the comics. Today we have a question from Chloe Loves Vampire Poison Ivy on Twitter. So when are we going to get a podcast episode focused entirely on Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy in Injustice? I want to hear your thoughts. Hey, I I love a question like this. (laughs) Where you're like a little bit like, when are we going to get what we asked for? And I'm like, well, this is the first time you asked. And here we are. We will give it to you. (laughs) There's literally no time when somebody is like, hey... When are you going to talk about Harley and Ivy that we're like, no, like, we'll never say no to that. We're like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I want to (laughs) pass. Oh, gee, I don't feel like talking about that right now. And it's like, literally, like, I would say even to this day, at least 10 to 15% of our texts are about Harley and Ivy. So (laughs) we talk about them a lot, a lot, a lot. But we haven't talked about injustice, right? So At all. I don't think we've ever talked about it. Not even in a single time. Let's start there. So Injustice, for those of you listening who didn't know, is actually a uh, tie-in comic series for a video game. I played the video game to prepare for this question because I was like, uh, don't I need to? 
Turns out, no, Poison Ivy's not in the video game. <laughs> Harley is, which is fun. But, you know, she's not exactly in it a lot. She has some cool outfits, though, I will say. Oh, my God, yeah. The costume design for any video game version of Harley Quinn is usually pretty fucking solid. It's so fucking cool, right? Yeah. Like, she looks yeah, so yeah. cool. And, like, and I like that she has a couple different costumes because Injustice takes place over, like, uh, right, five years, I think. So it's set in a, an alternate timeline. I don't know which one. Just one. It's the multiverse. What does it matter? <laughs> the injustice verse, as we'll call it. So Joker's like, I'm real mad at Superman. I'm going to try and turn him evil, which I'm pretty sure is what Joker sounds like. And then it Superman's is, yeah. like, you can't turn me evil. And Batman's like, I don't think you can turn him evil. And Harley's like, what's happening? Where, where are we? <laughs> and uh, then he straps... Oh, my God. It's so messed up, y'all. He it straps is. a pregnant Lois. I'm just like, could you guys stop with this thing with Lois that you do? I don't like it. There's just so many layers of awful, right? I just love her so much. Could you stop? This is my wife, please. Yeah. I'm not going to go into it. I don't want to tell you the whole thing. So basically, yeah, yeah. Superman is tricked into killing them and then just goes pretty much off the rails from there. Yeah. He's like, well, you know what? You know what the right solution is then? We'll just stop people from all bad things. Oh. Turns out I'm now fascist. Whoopsie yeah, doopsie. Yeah, yeah. That's like the classic, right? Like, oh, she died and my child died and now I'm evil because I experienced suffering. In some ways, you really think that it's Lois's fault, don't you? <laughs> like, it's just like, what the? Oh, these plots. These fucking plots. And so Harley is sort of a, not background, but I would say tertiary character to the yeah. main story. You know, she's there at the beginning. She kind of gets blamed alongside Joker. There is yeah. this moment where she's like, wait, she's pregnant? Which again, like, I don't, I'm not into all of that personally. I like a villain who knows what they're doing versus one you try to absolve. Yeah. So anyways, she's obviously a participant, but also wasn't trying to be all about it, so to speak. So the best stuff for reading Harley, I think it's called Injustice Ground Zero. That's where you get a little bit into Harley's story specifically. I will say there is very little Poison Ivy in the Injustice universe. She is part of it, and, and it kind of ends up doing a weird Civil War thing where right. Superman's like, I'm a fascist, and Batman's like, I believe in freedom. That's why I have plans on how to kill all my friends. I know. I'm just like, <laughs> also, it just doesn't work. It's like, it doesn't work in Marvel to do Civil War, but it really doesn't work in DC to do it. It doesn't, no. But, I mean, it's super edgy, right? Like, it's kind of fun premise-wise because it's... It's like, well, now everybody is evil, so. <laughs> no, everybody is evil. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the heroes kind of split and Ivy joins Superman and Harley joins Batman. Because Harley's like, oh, Superman's going to kill me if he finds me. Because Superman is like, I'm going to kill her if I find her. Yeah. And you just, you believe him. You believe clear, Superman yeah. when he says that because he did kill the Joker, I think, on TV. And like Wonder Woman's kind of weird in this. And she's like, go get him, Clark. It's time for fascism, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't. It's like, listen, I just think that sometimes people forget that she's from Paradise Island and like none of that makes sense for her as a character to be like, hell yeah, fascism. As little as it makes sense for Superman, <laughs> like it makes even less sense for Wonder Woman. But you know what? You do you. Whatever. I will say, like, sure, it's salacious. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, God, like, it's scary to think about a super-powered fascist. Right. 
yeah, okay, you get you get those reactions from us, which is part of why they do it, right? And right. for a video game, you know, you're you're trying to differentiate yourself from a field and so blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So I get it. Don't love it. The issues are run as years. So it's year one of Injustice, year two of Injustice, year three, year four, year five. Then they went back and did Injustice Ground Zero, which is kind of the lead up to and then the immediate aftermath, I believe, from Harley's point of view, pretty much. And just this year, they're releasing year zero. So the lead up to the lead up. <laughs> yeah. So they they have milked this property. I get why people like it. I think we don't really see Ivy except I think she's in year one, issue 70 for like a hot second. Yeah, she's in it a little bit. Yeah, and she says like, oh, Harley and I got married in Vegas. So this was a bone that was thrown years ago, I believe at this point, maybe yeah. two or three. And that was it. And people, you know, queer folks, we we want our rep, you know, and, and any any chance of hearing that Ivy and, and Harley are like legit in any universe feels really good because it does feel very much like they're is an investment in denying their relationship in DC. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of like the the general premise. And so then in year zero, when we jump back, there is finally an issue where we get to see their wedding. So the wedding's cute. Uh, I like the way that they are together. I think that's all great. Yeah, that's the whole thing, right? Like, I think Injustice is fun whenever it focuses more on the peripheral characters. Like, it has some pretty fun stuff with these villains who are just kind of doing a henchman job. So they're kind of more working stiffs or whatever of, like, the Injustice world. I like a lot of those stories, and I think that they're fun. And I think that a lot of Injustice is fun, right? Like, it's a very upsetting story, but a lot of these alternate realities are, you know. So it's good in its way. It's certainly entertaining. Yeah. And Harley's great in it. Like, there is a she lot is. of Harley, and she's really good, but she's not with Ivy for the, the bulk of it. Now, here's my problem. Tell me. I'm ready. I'm <laughs> She's so ready. not with Ivy for the bulk of it. <laughs> That's what upsets me the most because it's like, here's where you can do that. And they kind of do the thing where they're like, they got married at some point. And it's like, no, hold everything. Like, you can't just say that flippantly in the background of an issue. I mean, Tom Taylor, right? He's always like, well, I have them in a relationship. I portray them as being girlfriends and all this. And then it's shocked that nobody picked up on that. But then it's like, that's because it happens one panel every 70 issues. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate that you also seem to stan Harley and Ivy. But also, I mean, what the heck? You can't take that much credit for like a panel here and there. Yeah, even the issue they get married in. <laughs> it still is not enough. A third of the issue, maybe? Like a third of it. Yeah, and it's like, I love that issue because they packed way too much into it. To me, that was like at least three issues that we read as one issue, right? So there's all kinds of stuff cut out. They're totally just only had one issue of space, right? <laughs> to like be like, okay, so here's Harley's doubts. Here's us addressing like what readers have to say about Harley always going back to the Joker, which is not true because Harley always leaves the Joker. And that is way more important every single time is that she will always leave that guy. And what happens after she leaves? That's when Harley is interesting every single time. Mm -hmm. And so... You go from that to like Ivy goes and just beats the holy living oh, hell out of the God, Joker. That's beautiful. I love that. Truly part. satisfying. And I love that she does it. And she's just like, yo, I would kill you. Like, I hate you. <laughs> but, I would kill you, except Harley would never talk to me again. Yeah. And I'm just like bawling. I'm like, 
I know. This is I'm love. just like, you don't kill Joker for love. Like, you are the best. So then she's basically like, yo, we can break our cycles. We don't have to keep doing this. You don't have to go back to that guy. In fact, never go back to that guy. In fact, marry me instead. And like, oh, that chills. is so good. Chills. And I loved it. And because of Harley's responses, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> she's like, fuck, that's a great idea. It's great. And like, it's so moving. But then it's just like, really, dude? Now like they're estranged or whatever after this. So they're married. They're together for what, a week? And then Harley just leaves? Like, like, what is the deal here? And also, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you could do things differently. Like, in Bombshells, we saw them do it totally differently, yes. right? Like, oh, my in God. Bombshells, Murder lovers. they embraced every part <laughs> of it. And it was really great. I think everybody, I mean... When I say everybody, I mean me and Essie really loved that. <laughs> <laughs> we spent 20 minutes talking about how much we loved it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But like, yeah, Injustice is kind of the less satisfying version of Bombshells in a way because it's like alternate reality, but it's so much bleaker and like the women are treated pretty badly just by the concept, you know? Yep. It's like, I don't like it when Lois is hurt, you know? Like, I just don't like it. I don't think that that works for me as a story plan. I don't find it compelling. It's not challenging anything for me. It just isn't. It's just not good. Lois is too good of a character to do stuff like that, too. Like, just don't do that. You know, like, maybe don't take pregnant women and, like, I mean, whatever. It's your story. I don't care. Obviously, it was super successful. But to me, I, like, think about what I want out of a story. (laughs) And I'm just like, that's literally fridging. But you know what? Yeah. You do you. Yeah. It's double fridging because they were having a daughter. I loved what you said, Sarah, about it doesn't matter that Harley goes back to the Joker. It matters that she leaves him. And what's cool is over the arc of Injustice, she gets Joker's clan. They join her. And so when this alternate Earth Joker comes, because her Joker does get killed by uh, Superman, because he's like, well, I think I'll start by killing the Joker. That one, I'm like, fair enough. I also probably would have. But then, you know, Joker from another universe comes over because Batman needs help. And so he's grabbing the other Batman. I don't really quite remember. And then Joker comes. And so then Joker shows up and he's like, Harley. And she's like, oh, Mr. J. And she starts to get back underneath his thumb. And then he does something to hurt her. And she's like, oh, right. Fuck. And then her henchmen are like, no, Harley, you're better than him. And she leaves him again. She leaves a second Joker after watching one die. And I think that there's a really powerful story in there, but it does feel like it's just missing Ivy. You know, what we get in Year Zero that I think is double-edged, I would say, there's a really powerful part where Ivy is like, I believe in you, and I know that one day you will leave him for good. And I'm not going to stop loving you because that's hard. That is beautiful. What I like a little bit less is there's a point where Harley looks at Ivy and she says, like, you were always my exit strategy. And I'm like, I a huge fan of that. (laughs) I don't like using other people as exit strategies. And I think it's trying to make something cheeky that I think they could have gone a much more complex route, you know? And what does she do after that moment? She takes Ivy to meet her daughter that the Joker doesn't even know about because she left for a year to have a baby. And when she got back, he didn't even know she'd been gone. Like, This woman has been through some shit and she deserves some good, good loving from her Ivy, you know? Like, that's what I would honestly just like to see more of on the page. And that's what Bombshells gives us, even with great conflict, even with hard times, even with, frankly, there are Nazis running around in that book. 
or they're they're proto Nazis. But you know, like that is still interesting, still complex, still dealing with issues of fascism. And justice feels I don't know. I I get why people are pumped. Like, yeah, I'll take an Ivy Harley wedding even if it is one panel. <laughs> you know, I'll take it no matter how I can get it. But don't we deserve better queer rep? Don't we deserve characters who we know that that when they show up on the page, they're not going to get murdered for being queer or being women? Don't we deserve to see Harley and Ivy not just together in alternate universes, but together in the universe that's our, our prime? Don't we deserve better? And I'm not saying that I think people don't realize that. I do think, I mean, I think Chloe, you know, <laughs> Ivy and Harley deserve better. I think there are people organizing around this all the time. We've talked about the Vines and Roses fanzine. Please go check it out. They get Ivy, they get her, and they they embrace her. And, you know, Paul Dini has fought for the two of them to be together and so on and so forth. But, God, I'm sick of surviving off scraps, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because while you're saying that, I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. And we do deserve better. And Harley and Ivy deserve better because I've made this argument like one million times. I do believe that they deserve better. When we have these conversations again and again, it's like, yeah, I don't care about the Joker. I don't care about Harley with the Joker. I just think that she's a lot more interesting by herself and or with Ivy. But even whenever you say that, I'm just like literally reading that comic, though, was like water on a desert. It was like, I am so thirsting for this moment after the last year. And we're like constantly watching Kite Man and all of this bullshit on the animated series. And then we come up to this place of just like, yeah, they're kiss one panel or whatever. And like they do pledge their love to each other. But it's like we know for a fact that it's a weird fleeting on and off again relationship, which is what undermines the wedding mm. <laughs> like a lot. I feel like so often they get away with not giving us too much. And then regardless, whenever I read the comic, I'm like, this is one of the best comics that came out this year yes. because it's not so terrible. And we were talking about this in relation to like when I watched Winona Earp and just being like, this is what they should be doing. Like they should just have canonical couples that show affection to each other. It's the same on like Black Lightning, I think is really good about mm -hmm. having Grace and Anissa show a lot of physical affection towards one another. But there's been so many comics and so many TV shows and so much subtext to wade through for decades. <laughs> so whenever they're just like, Harley and Ivy got married. It's like, all you had to do was mention that in a panel and like, everybody's like, give them a GLAAD award. <laughs> you know? Exactly, like, exactly. Everybody's like, congratulations. And it's just like, no, because where is that story? Because that's all I care about in the Injustice universe. So whenever somebody's like, well, what do you think about Harley and Ivy in the Injustice universe? I'm like, let the wedding bells ring. I loved that comic. <laughs> I thought that it was great. They had a cute wedding too. <laughs> It was one of the best things I read this year because it was like cathartic the whole time, but it was still tinged with the fact that you know that from here they don't have to do anything with that because we've been appeased, right? Like, mm, so to well me, explained. it's just like they get by on like the bare minimum again and again. And then they're just like, oh, how do people not know that they're in a relationship? I'm so baffled that so many fans don't know that. And it's just like, cool. Well, let's look at the amount of stories that focus on Harley and Joker. And then let's look at the amount of stories that make it explicit that Harley and Ivy are in a relationship and compare just the numbers on that. And then you can tell me about how like, oh, wow, how did people not realize? It's just like, because the stories don't support it enough 
they do support it. But there's always that like, oh, well, let's let's leave it open for interpretation. And I exactly. feel like a lot in a lot of ways, like that's kind of what the wedding was because they don't stay together. Like mm-hmm. we know that. So and to me, that's just so painful to read because you know that Harley and Ivy would stay together. I mean, I know it's an alternate reality, but even this Ivy seems a little bit more prudent, right? And I think like even in this reality, when we saw Harley trying to ask Ivy to move in with her and Ivy's like, I'm not ready for that. So I just don't think that this wedding would occur. And then like a couple weeks later, it would just be off or whatever. Like, I just don't believe it. It's kind of just a double-edged sword. Like, it really does suck. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you, you broke that down so beautifully, Sarah. I was very happy. I loved their wedding. And it sucks that we get queer weddings when you know it's not going to last. They can just be like, oh, well, that's not the regular universe. Exactly. There's so much deniability. There's so much deniability. So much. That's kind of the thing, too, whenever people were like, oh, well, like in alternate realities, we have gay Alan Scott or something. And it's like, yo, I'm pretty sure like whatever reality I'm in, I'm going to be a homo. Like, I just like don't know what to tell you, you know? Yeah. And why doesn't that cross apply? Why if that bitch is fucking gay in that world, are they not gay in this world and they get to figure it out? Why yeah. not? Like, why not? <laughs> I mean, Willow. And yes! Buffy, <laughs> oh my they met God. like gay Willow and then they were just, she literally says it and I think I'm kind of gay. And it's just like, yep, we find that out in a season. <laughs> we were watching that episode recently and she makes this, <laughs> they're like, we saw you, you were a vampire. And she's like, I am not a vampire. <laughs> Every time I laugh so hard. Because she's yeah, like, I'm she's not like, gay. I'm kind of gay, but I'm not gay. And yeah. Buffy's like, oh yeah, um, your vampire self has nothing to do with your regular self. And Angel's, Angel's like, wait a minute. I wouldn't say that. And Buffy's like, shut the hell up. Shut up. Angel's <laughs> like, I'm a vampire and I know she's gay. <laughs> He's like, little known fact, Spike and I have been doing it for a while. <laughs> little known fact, all vampires have gaydar. Um <laughs> It is part of our skill set. It is ingrained. I can tell. Oh, my tell. God. So, yeah, not to get too far off the topic, but it's great and disappointing both at the same time. So we mm. can be, like, really embracing it and happy about it. And, like like I said, as a single issue, yeah, pick that comic up because it rules. Hell it was, yes. like, 99 cents, and it was really, really good. I think it's issue number eight from year zero. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And then it was totally like that, where it was like, I feel like I am a plant that people did not water for three years. And now a gentle rainstorm is like going to wash over me, but it's going to be gone too soon. And like, that's kind of just how it felt. And like, I don't know, man, (laughs) like it sucks. When the question was posed, I hadn't read any Injustice. And so I was like, oh, damn, I am so excited. I read like four hours of injustice and I was just like I'm ready Where, where's Ivy where's Ivy where's Ivy and I'd like get to some Harley sections and I'd be like "Ooh, Ivy must be coming and I read them from ground zero through five and then went back to zero <laughs> year zero <laughs> Like, are you fucking kidding me? There yeah, like, like where is she? Goddamn fucking issue! Like, I was just and so she's mad. so so powerful that it's like, why isn't Ivy a bigger deal in this universe? Just in general, how could Batman not be pitching her on helping him stop a fascist? We know that she's anti-fascist. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm so tired of it. I'm just like, I get, once again, this is an alternate reality. So I guess like it's suddenly fascist Pamela or whatever, but it's just like none of it holds water really. And like, it bums me out that there isn't more of her in this because 
even just as a powerful character. I feel like people set her up as so powerful and then they're like, she gets all hysterical or whatever. (laughs) They just back down from how powerful Ivy is again and again and again. And one of the things that the animated series excelled at was that it emphasized that Ivy is as powerful as any of these other dweebs that are hanging out, right? So, like, for Harley to say something like, you've always been my exit strategy is literally, like, in some ways, Harley acknowledging that Ivy has just always been so powerful and that, like, always she can depend on her, right? In other ways, you're saying, well, you're there whenever I have to get out of trouble (laughs) or, like, whatever, which is reductive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird to do with a bi-pan character, too, because there's a lot of representations of bi-pan women and them being like, they're primarily attracted to men and women are a backup. And that that's right. creepy and weird. And I don't, I'm not saying that I think they are doing that intentionally. I just think it's a, again, like, yeah, if, I think if, if queer women were <laughs> writing Ivy and Harley more often, we'd have different stories. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, I know nothing about Amy choose sexuality or gender but she did such an incredible job with the life and death cycle of poison ivy it's something like that cycle of life and death thank you that series is so incredible and harley's there and they have a moment where where ivy's like i can't with you you're being too and harley has to be like oh shit i'm being too oh well now i gotta think about who i am and it's like even that it's like no one has to, oh God, I think the other thing that's really hard about Injustice for me that I can't get over is like the amount of on the page abuse Harley goes through at the hands of the yeah. Joker is really sickening. And it's, she's not the only character that goes through exactly a ton. And it's like, yeah, guys get messed up too, but there's definitely a difference of message when you're dealing with the gender, you know, that like. And intimate partner violence, right? Like it's her partner yeah. hurting her. Like that's also got different layers to it regardless 100%. of like the gender dynamics there yeah so yeah i mean i think that's why this will certainly not go in my top representations of either harley and ivy but actually it kind of does because there aren't enough <laughs> yeah so if you read it in a void then like that one issue is really great and then yeah i mean maybe just read bombshells instead <laughs> like <laughs> that's kind of like how i feel about injustice sometimes but still totally read the wedding issue because it really was one of the biggest moments of 2020 that nobody talks about really that much and it is something that we just deserved that as a whole world and we still deserve that and maybe someday we'll get it but we deserve it <laughs> Chloe thank you for a great question we always appreciate Chloe. things that are complex <laughs> and make us think really hard and obviously we love to talk about Harley and Ivy we do so thank you so much listeners if you don't already you can join us over on patreon we do all kinds of bonus content bonus episodes where we review our favorite tv and films sometimes just like random things that we're like hey want to review this weird thing that's on dc universe i think i do and it is a delight we also have reading lists that are drawn from our episodes every month that tell you where you can learn more about the shows and the comics that we name drop quickly as we go through a very intense list of things (laughs) because it's who we are And we want you to join us. You can join us at any level, as little as $2 a month, as much as, hey, you name it. And we will give you this content, share it with you, and you can be even more of a support to a podcast we know you love as you listen to us right now. 
Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so this week we're going to talk about Stephanie Williams, our friend and confidant who we have had on here many, many times, a great writer that we all know and love, and the comic, which has been so incredible, and, you know, we see it on Instagram, and I had a Patreon subscription, so I got to see them as they were coming out, but the comic in and of itself, Living Heroes, which is essentially a very loving nod towards living single plus the Marvel superheroes. So whatever that would look like, that's what it is. You know, it's written by Stephanie Williams, so it's very funny and amazing. I have a feeling that this is going to be a very positive review, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's safe to say. So yes, our comic of the week is Living Heroes, written by Stephanie Williams, art by O'Neill Jones, colors by Christina Pogue. Oh my God, it's so good. (laughs) It's ridiculously good. It's so funny. I love all of the characters. It's the most I've seen from a lot of them in a minute. (laughs) So it's kind of a bummer to like be like, well, it's like this fan comic that is doing so much work where, you know, all of these characters, we barely get to see them in Marvel comics. Like I barely get to see Misty Knight, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's so nice to see them in this friendship context with each other, right? And it's so cheeky, you know, in like the best way where everything is either a nod or a wink, you know, where it's like, oh, you're supposed to tell us when Blade's in town, (laughs) like all the black heroes have to go fight together because it's a (laughs) diversity thing. And it's like, oh, my God, Steph, you're so funny. (laughs) You're right. That is what they do. (laughs) Yeah, I love that it's like this apartment where, what are all of the characters? It's Misty Knight, Storm, (laughs) She-Hulk. And Monica. Monica, yeah, Monica Rambo. Those are like the four, you know, the women from Living Single. Right, yeah, like the analog to the character, right? Yes, and it is so damn funny. 
there's a very funny moment where I think it's Misty goes, oh, I forgot that you really are a white woman of color to <laughs> shield because she's just, she's so funny. She's this great foil in the piece where, you know, she's constantly showing up and eating all their food, which is like, thank you. <laughs> she Hulk needs food. She's yeah. a lot of food. <laughs> yeah. We never see that, right? Like yeah. <laughs> we should see that. It's cool. I like it. And she's like a goofy and a little awkward, but like a total babe. And that all tracks, right? Like that all tracks for me when it's I It's one of the best She Hulks ever. Like, I yeah. mean, let's face it, all of these characters are so much themselves. And I think in a way that we just never get to see. So I want to talk, of course, about Storm. Oh and my God. I mean, Storm, one of my two favorite X Men ever, like basically Storm and Jean Grey for life. And I haven't seen Storm smile this much ever like in a comic so it's just great to read to be like this is really what storm's ideal life is and i don't want to spoil anything but <laughs> the last page if you are is the greatest uh, thing i've ever seen yeah it's like i don't know i can't say anything about it because you have to read it but i will say that yukio makes an appearance <laughs> and i i will say that this is the comic more than any that i've read that embraces storm's queerness on the page that's it. No more spoilers. As you may know, listeners, the site that Sarah and Steph and I all wrote for called Sci-Fi Wires Fangirls shuddered. And the last piece I pitched was about living heroes and about Storm's representation in it because it was so, it is such an incredible comic. You know, like, you know, it's going to be great. It's Steph. Like, she's so funny. And you know, O'Neill Jones has just incredible art. You know, it's going to be a good time. If you've been reading But Why Though, you know that Living Heroes is going to be incredible. And I didn't know that it was going to fuck my life up in the best possible way. I didn't yeah. know I was going to spend a lot of time weeping because of how I felt like Storm was allowed to be herself. And, yeah. and to be like the glorious put together self who's never frazzled and to be the self who gets to be like, oh, that's my friend. <clears throat> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> like, it. I love Storm in this so much. It was really nice. It was really like seeing her kind of away from the X-Men and kind of away from a lot of like the Wakanda stuff um, and just being kind of herself with other people around her right that just kind of contributed this great sense of this is what storm would actually choose for herself you know mm -hmm. like this is where storm would be if storm <laughs> got to make those choices yeah i i completely agree and i think the other thing that there's so many things to talk about in this i mean if i keep talking about storm i'm gonna spoil things <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel like it's hard to talk about some parts because it's like literally just go buy it because yeah, it's really doing? good. It'll just make you smile a lot, just like Storm does in this comic. Yes, totally. <laughs> and she talks shit about Professor X and it's everybody teases her because she says ass and they're just like, it's so funny when you curse. <laughs> I oh, it's it. so funny when they do that. You know, I think it's like she's so funny and she's so present and free. You know, it's like seeing her. It's, oh, shocking. It's like seeing a black person who gets to spend time with other black people. Like, yeah. oh, wow. They don't have to perform the way that they do when they're around white people like ourselves. And it's like so nice to see that. 
What I love that Steph didn't have to do, but of course she did because she's a badass, is a ton of characters of color show up. So Wyatt Wingfoot shows up. We've got Yukio, as we discussed. Forge is there. And guess what? Danny Rand is there. But guess what? For the first time ever, the Iron Fist is Asian. Thank you. Thank you, Steph. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm mostly really happy. And I'm like a little bit annoyed, like you were saying, that... It takes, you know, a fan comic for these things that we've all, you know, talked about, believe should exist, should be in the comic to happen. For Iron Fist to be an Asian character is like, yeah, we've been waiting. It's the only way to make this creepy cultural appropriation in any way acceptable. Oh, my God. And it's so much worse whenever his creators like double down on that shit. It's just like, no, just change it. Just change it. Just change it. It's fine. Just change it. We'll roll with it. We are into it. We love when our things evolve. No, I can't let it evolve. So many times, right, Disney just tries to toe a line that they invented, I guess, like that's basically like, oh, well, we want to pay lip service to like all of these people who we think are audiences. They risk offending so many other people because like they just keep trying to loop the bullshit instead of like going into a new place. And it, you know, it prevents comics that we really want to see sometimes. Like I said, reading a lot of these characters and having them be written by somebody who just loves them so much is nice because they're not getting sidelined like they almost always do because people will be like oh i love storm so why didn't she do anything in the comic that you wrote (laughs) like you Mm -hmm. had there's all of these people who like had storm in their comics but i would say obviously there's great comics written with storm in them but you know we don't get to see the fun side or we don't get to see her relax or any of that and i think that that's kind of necessary I completely agree. I love it. I think that the comic just really says, like, superheroes have lives. Did you never think of this? Here's what they do in them. Did you not know? I love superhero live stories, and there's lots of comics that do that, but this does it in such a endearing, accessible, hilarious way. Like, actually, you don't have to know much about Marvel comics to read this. You really you don't. Really don't. Or you don't have single. to know anything about Living Single to read this, you know? But you should watch Living Single because, you should because that is a good show. Life. Yeah, like, that's just the right call. But this is like such a, it's so accessible. It's so exciting. And to me, it just reminds me of what comics can do. Yeah. You know, comics can be this amazing. Comics can be this funny. Oh my God, them razzing on Jessica Jones for her fucking potato salad. (laughs) That's art. That is fucking art, man. And then like a dead ghost comes out of the potato (laughs) salad. Oh, that was really funny. There were just a lot. Like, I mean, every page is just full of gags. The way that the art interacts with the script is so good. You see this wonderful read of the emotions that everybody has and stuff. Like, I think that that's where O'Neill Jones shines, right? Is just kind of bringing these characters this kind of warmth and like this kind of life. I don't know. Every part of it's just great, pretty much. There's not really any downside to this comic. I loved everything. I wish that it got to be like this more, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm really heartened to know that like this led to Steph being brought on for Marvel Voices number one. I mean, that's right. She's going to get to talk about Monica Rambeau. Like, oh my God, thank you. Yes, I'm very excited for this. I can't wait because it's going to be the best. I love that for Monica Rambeau. <laughs> 
I love that for Steph. I love that for Monica. I love that for me, most of all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it's just, Living Heroes is delightful. If you want to check it out and you haven't yet, it's okay. We still love you. So Steph has a Kofi or coffee, ko-fi.com backslash Steph Williams. Go check it out. You can pick up a digital copy. You can pick up a print copy at the time of recording. That may no longer be true. So if you hear this, go check right now. There's also sticker packs. There's a really cute I'm the Captain Now pin. There's the Stevie's Beauty Salon. There's a big poster of that of all the hairstyles i got that for my media room where we play all our video games i can't wait to hang it it is so cool and you know just support stuff this is what we do we look out for each other and it's an honor when it's especially when it's someone so amazing doing just such fucking beautiful hilarious powerful work a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.